Aloha and good morning. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is Spotlight Hawaii here on this Wednesday, January 13, 2021. I'm Ryan Kalei Suji, joined by Yanji Denise. Uh, we want to thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Yanji, this morning we have a very special guest joining us from Washington, D.C. That's right. Hard to believe that January 6th was a week ago. A week ago today, we saw uh, what many describe as an insurrection, an attempted insurrection uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, someone who uh, was right there uh, when it was all happening is our own Congressman Ed Case, and he is joining us live from his office in D.C. today. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened on that day, what your experience was like, and, and how the week has been since? Well, of course, uh, it was a difficult day to start with in Washington because it was a day that uh, Congress is charged under the Constitution with certifying the results of the of the uh, 2020 presidential election. And usually that is uh, relatively uh, straightforward. Uh, usually a presidential uh, candidates accept the results of elections, accept the results of the Electoral College, and Congress simply has to make sure that everybody's okay with everything. And, as we know, uh, President Trump has uh, repeatedly uh, called into uh, question the results of this election over months. Um, and so it was gonna be a difficult day to start with. Uh, you know, uh, I and all of us are obviously expecting uh, protests, uh, but I don't think anybody fully expected what uh, did come to pass, uh, a violent assault on the Capitol uh, where lives were lost, our Capitol uh, seat of our democracy was desecrated. We were embarrassed in the eyes of the world. Uh, for me personally, I was not on the floor of the House. Most members of Congress on the House side were not on the floor. Uh, we were in our offices or somewhere uh, other than um, in the actual uh, Capitol where they were telling us, don't come down for this debate because of COVID-19. So we're not supposed to be you know, congregating. Uh, and so I was doing what was asked of me. I was in my office uh, doing exactly what you see me doing here, watching uh, uh, the debate live uh, uh, behind on the TV behind me. Um, and um, the debate was going along. It was a difficult debate, but uh, pretty soon as I watched it, I could tell something was uh, very, very wrong just from what was happening on the floor. Uh, and then that live feed went uh, went blank and, and I turned on to um, other media and saw that there was actually an assault going on. At the same time that happened, um, all of us are uh, obviously on emergency notifications from security uh, on our personal devices and my device started going off saying this is a, extremely dangerous situation and, and wherever you are, stay where you are, lock your doors, turn off your, you know, your lights, uh, pretend like there's nobody in the office and, and, uh, and await further instructions. And that's exactly what I did. And so uh, my day uh, was spent in my office, uh, trying as best I could to follow what was going on uh, trying to compose my thoughts because um, it was uh, such a, 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 such a, um, um, in many ways, a very, very emotional day. Uh, with the consequences, as I as I understood them, as as everybody did, uh, to our democracy, uh, the blight on our democracy, and and frankly, um, the consequences, as as I saw then and am seeing today, uh, leading right back up um, of the chain of command of the president. And Congressman, I wonder if you can share more about what it has been like since that date. Now we know that there have been uh, investigations that are currently underway. We, in fact, right now the impeachment. Uh, of the president as members of the house are speaking on the floor right now uh, but right after the uh, you know the attempt at the, the riot that occurred uh, sort of explain how things have been there at the capitol and and the re working relationship that you've had and the conversations that you've had with your colleagues 
Well, we've been in very close contact with each other, obviously. Um, um, we, we started talking as a caucus immediately. Uh, the, what actually happened, there's so many levels of this. I mean, there's, there's, there's simply, simply the level of exactly what happened and why did it happen? Um, you know, how much coordination was there from the outside? Uh, how, much, how much advanced planning on exactly what did happen? Was it, was it more than just a, a, an incited mob? Uh, was there was there actual intent to go into the Capitol and take things or or steal things? Um, you know why did the security break down so severely? Um, all of these are questions about what happened in the past, um, and obviously the question is also security now and going forward because uh, we still have to run a government, we still have to go to the Capitol, uh, we still have to vote, uh, we still have to debate, as you see behind me uh, right now. We still have to travel to and from the Capitol. And in all of that, uh, there are clear uh, security risks that um, need to be taken a second look at. Um, are, are we doing everything we can? Uh, for the first time in my experience uh, here in the US Capitol, just as one example, um, I go through a magnetometer. Everyone should go through a magnetometer uh, to get to the House floor. Members of Congress are not asked uh, to you know, submit to you know, search uh, uh, on their way into the House floor. That is supposed to be something that we entrust uh, um, each member to obviously uh, keep everybody else safe, but we can't take that for granted anymore. And so it's it's very uh, you know jarring uh, to to have to do that to walk through and get uh, searches as if I was going through TSA at the airport. And um, just this morning, um, as I was doing that, um, three of my colleagues walked right past it, right in as if they just didn't even care about the whole process. So um, that infuriates me. And then, of course, we're preparing for a, an inauguration, and we are going to inaugurate our next president. That's part of what we have to do for our country. Uh, but obviously, we have to consider how to do that safely, uh, how, to, how to assemble Congress uh, to, uh, to, to, to uh, swear in President-elect uh, Biden. And so there are just many, many levels of short-term, mid-term, long-term questions and consequences and, and uh, efforts that we have to pursue um, uh, coming out of the events of uh, last week. What do you think President Trump's role and responsibility is in all of this? I know you're getting ready to vote on impeachment probably within an hour uh, or perhaps even less. Uh, what do you think is appropriate an appropriate response to the president's role? I think the president incited this to happen. Um, I don't think that you can take a look at the sum total of uh, the facts or the statements, uh, the, the actions that the president personally took uh, in the weeks and days and hours and minutes leading up to, to the violent assault and not conclude uh, that, um, that, the, that the mob uh, was incited by um, his words and actions, number one. And number two, um, I think that his intent was uh, at least uh, to disrupt, uh, if not prevent, uh, the proceedings of Congress uh, to certify the election results. Um, and um, and for, for my purposes, that's a violation of his oath of office. It's a violation of the Constitution. It is, only, it is only amplified by the fact that not very long before that, he purposely set out to interfere with, uh, with uh, the, the certification of results uh, duly constituted in the state of Georgia. And so, you know, you can't let those um, occurrences go in this or any other president, um, because if you do that, number one, you're essentially sanctioning the conduct. And number two, Congress is not exercising its obligation to provide a check and balance against the executive branch, which is in our constitution. And number three, you're basically saying that any president uh, in the future can, can do similar acts and, and get away with it. And I can't let that stand. Uh, and, and so I, I feel um, that I, I take no, 
you know, pleasure in this. Uh, it is a sad day for me. Um, it is a solemn day and a sad day for me uh, that um, um, I never came to Congress uh, to vote to impeach a president, and that today I'm going to I'm going to vote to impeach a president twice. In 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 the in the space of um, you know just a just a, over a year, and that's that's sad for our country, but it has to be done because otherwise uh, we're basically saying, yeah, okay, we can we can do this in the future. You know, the argument right now that many of your colleagues from across the aisle are saying is that the president only has a week more in office, and why go through this process of impeachment? Why uh, sort of do this to further divide the country? What is your response to those who? make that argument that the president will only be in office for seven more days and why not just let him sort of ride this out? You can't go, you can't let it go unanswered uh, regardless of when it occurs during the presidency. That's my answer straight out. Um, otherwise let's, let's just, let's just call it, uh, call it open season in the last, uh, you know, couple of weeks and months of any president's uh, um, tenure in office. Um, I, you know, I, I listened to the arguments. I thought about that argument. Um, I thought, okay, um, let's just think that one through. Is it correct that the best way forward is to just let this go, uh, let this president ride out of office, and 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 um, let's you know be done with it, and let's heal the division? And yes, of course, those are. I think those are more than just you know specious arguments. They're arguments worth considering. I did, and I rejected them uh, because I believe that a president uh, who undertakes this kind of conduct needs to be held accountable regardless of when that conduct occurred. You mentioned the inauguration and I'm curious to know, are you going to attend the inauguration in person and given everything that's happened, do you feel safe doing so? There are some who are calling for an entirely virtual uh, you know, inauguration just to sort of tamp down tensions. What's your view on that? Well, I think one of the worst things we could do is to is to allow these events to influence the traditions and 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 uh, foundations of our country. We have gathered uh, together for centuries uh, to to inaugurate a new president, um, and unless there was uh, just a incredibly severe and tangible and clear and present danger, as as the saying goes, uh, from doing that, um, which was demonstrated by by really uh, massive you know acts of of terror attack. Um, I think we have to honor that, and, and I'm going to honor that. I believe um, it is important for me uh, as a member of Congress uh, to personally attend uh, this inauguration or the inauguration of any other president under comparable circumstances to demonstrate to the country and to the folks that I serve um, uh, that our country is going to go on, just, uh, just as we did last week. Because after that attack, um, our commitment our mutual commitment, and I give the minority credit for this too, because they were in on it. We all believed uh, that we needed to reassemble ASAP, get on with our business, complete our debate, make our decision to send that message that our country is not going to be gonna, not going to be intimidated and cowed and 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 dissuaded from our obligation uh, by by a violent mob attack. Uh, and so I think, uh, in the same spirit, uh, the, the inauguration needs to occur. Uh, clearly, the security is like nothing uh, you have ever um, uh, seen before, and or ever will will see. I I, I hope at least because it's at a very high, high level of security, and I'm going to go to it regardless of how I feel. Now I have to entrust my safety uh, to the folks that that um, are are in charge of ensuring everybody's safety at the inauguration. But yes, I will be there. Yeah, certainly we're seeing those images of the military presence and the number of police officers that have converged 
in Washington, D.C. In, in the past few days, and uh, certainly a, a startling sight there. We're also hearing warnings of the impact that the inauguration could have on, on local capitals throughout the country. What are, your he what are you hearing from officials there uh, and any intel that may be regarding the dangers that are posed to those local capitals, including potentially what might happen here at the state capitol in Honolulu? Well, some of what I know is 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 in a, <clears throat> a little bit more of a secure environment. Uh, but on the on the on the broad brushes, of course, there's concern across the country, and it's no I don't think it's any secret that that uh, many of many of the folks that apparently were involved uh, in, in this particular attack on the Capitol or those groups uh, certainly plan uh, mass demonstrations uh, across the country, including state capitals. Uh, and they haven't made any secret about uh, what they intend to do um, on social media and otherwise. And so it behooves us all to be very, very vigilant uh, across the country to, to um, these efforts <clears throat> to um, disrupt the inauguration directly here in Washington, D.C. or indirectly throughout the country at our state capitals. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you don't want <clears throat> to overreact to it, but you don't want to underreact either. You know, given that a third of voters here in Hawaii did vote for the president uh, in this last election, and that those presumably many of whom are your constituents, how do you continue to represent them going forward? I mean, I'm just looking through the comments right now, and there's still so much vitriol, uh, not just on the national scale, but really even here at home, that we have a lot of people who feel like their voices haven't been heard. Um, when we talk about healing and trying to move forward, especially that we're facing a deadly pandemic, how do you represent all you know, everyone, um, not just those who voted for you. I have spent so much time trying to think this through. Um, am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I re <clears throat> representing all of my constituents in such a, a difficult and divided time? And, and, and let's be straight. I mean, you're never going to uh, be in agreement with all of your constituents all the time. And so we're not talking about, um, you know, uh, me and my constituents <clears throat> agreeing on any one specific issue. Um, of course, in representative government, if I don't generally represent most of my constituents most of the time, then probably I shouldn't be representing them. Uh, but in any, any uh, case of representation, uh, you are responsible for representing uh, constituents with whom uh, you have major disagreements with. I didn't vote for President Trump. I am going to vote to impeach him. And yet, does that mean that I turn away from uh, them uh, who are my constituents? As you, as you pointed out, one third one third plus of my constituents um, view this uh, much differently than the way I view it. And so um, I've asked myself that question and looked into my heart, how do I do that? How do I best do that? Because I'm not gonna walk away from them. I'm not gonna say, well, <clears throat> you know, we're just hopelessly divided and therefore I'm not gonna make any further attempt to listen to you and nor should you make any attempt to, uh, to influence me. That, that's not the way it should work. And so I'm going to continue to do what I've done throughout my career, especially where people have disagreed with me. <clears throat> I'm going to try to explain, you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and asking for guidance and listening to that guidance and sifting through that guidance to ask, uh, you know, where are our common grounds? Where do I have to challenge what I believe, what I assume, what I intend to do? Where, where should I alter my own course? You know, I've done that for uh, a lot of decades now, um, and, and um, I don't think it's ever been more important uh, for me or for my, my colleagues in elected office um, to, to try to overcome division wherever we can and to truly listen. Because as you pointed out, 
Uh, really, um, the, the root cause of so much of what we're seeing throughout our country are folks that don't feel listened to, don't feel appreciated, you know, don't feel that their government has 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 been responsive to their needs. Uh, and I and so I think this is a huge challenge. I'm I'm going to do everything I can uh, to try the best I can to represent the folks that didn't vote for me or don't agree with me, and and to try to make those decisions with at least their views in mind. I want to switch gears here and talk about, of course, another subject that we've had many times on this conversation, and that is regarding COVID-19. I uh, wanted to get your thoughts about the vaccine uh, vaccine rollout. We know that there have been delays and some frustrations on a national level from states and government officials who said that the Trump administration wasn't doing enough to get those vaccines out. Uh, wanted to get your thoughts on the overall vaccine process and if you have any thoughts about what's happening here locally, specifically with the rollout with the vaccines. Well, there were hiccups in, in, in starting the rollout of the vaccine. Um, and, I, and I think that the federal government in some ways was caught flat-footed by the fact that the vaccine was, was in fact developed and approved um, um, even, even on an optimistic timetable pretty early. And so uh, really uh, the, the timeframe from you know, late November when it appeared that it was gonna be available to where we sit here today, uh, did have a number of uh, hiccups in terms of the federal government's distribution. However, uh, the reality is uh, that if you take a look at the statistics uh, today, uh, the federal government is, 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 is ahead of, of the states in terms of vaccine uh, distrib distribution to individual recipients. In other words, there is more federal vaccine uh, distribution and availability in the states than the states have utilized. Uh, and that is, of, that is of great concern. So, 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 so throughout our country, we have seen states be a little slow on the uptake in terms of, of, of distribution plans and implementation. And that's been true in Hawaii as well. Uh, we have seen uh, some recent uh, national uh, statistics uh, that, that kind of take a look at the, that the various states in terms of utilization rates. So in other words, uh, of the vaccines that you already have states, how much have you actually used already? And, and we, are, we are in the lower half uh, today. Uh, now, Figures can be very deceiving, uh, but it is troublesome to me that we're in the lower half. In fact, we were in the lower quartile in the last report. I talked to the Lieutenant Governor just uh, just two hours ago about this. As a matter of fact, he thinks the numbers are actually better than that. But the fact is um, that the states across uh, across the country should be keeping up in terms of their distribution plans uh, with, with the vaccine receipt. And one thing to keep in mind here is that uh, President-elect Biden announced, and President Trump has now said as well, uh, that all of the available vaccine uh, in the federal inventory will be distributed to the states. Now, they were holding back for the second dose. Now they said, I think correctly, no, let's get as many people uh, into the first dose as possible. So let's just distribute it all and let's try to make sure that we manufacture enough and distribute it to the states for, this, for the second dose. So that means that we will see a, a, a great uh, increase up to and including maybe doubling of available vaccine received in Hawaii uh, just in the next couple of weeks. And so I am concerned that the state is not uh, uh, keeping up with the, the actual uh, plan of distribution um, past, past um, you know, category 1A, which seems to be going well. And, and now we see 1B picking up, but we're, we're not always talking about just, just the folks that uh, have easy access through their workplaces or through, or through you know, their hospitals or whatever it might be. But, I got a I got a call from a, a a constituent on my talk story uh, back home just uh, Monday night who said, "Okay, this is all fine and good, but I have a 93 year old mother who's living at home with me. How do I get her her vaccine? She's not in an assisted living living facility. 
And so that means a really broad uh, uh, based uh, distribution plan to include large scale um, uh, distribution centers. And I understand, of course, that uh, uh, both uh, the governor, lieutenant governor and, and director of health, as well as uh, the state legislature are very engaged in this. And so I think that's good news. I think they're rolling out plans in the next couple of days. And most importantly on this point, I think people need information on where to get the vaccine. Uh, so the public information side of it for, for, for many people throughout Hawaii has lagged a little bit. I understand that the state is about to uh, roll out a, a website which tries to centralize all of that information. And I think that's you know one of the, the best things I heard about uh, distribution. The federal government does have a role in this because we did uh, through our most recent um, um, uh, emergency assistance package in, in late December uh, appropriate uh, Nine uh, nine billion dollars, I think it was, uh, to the states for this exact purpose, including ten billion. I'm sorry, ten million uh, plus to Hawaii. So one of my key concerns here is, did you get that money in Hawaii, and are you using it to get this vaccine distributed? Because a lot more vaccine is coming in, and as we all know, um, uh, really, so many of the the answers to our COVID nineteen question uh, rely uh, crisis rather rely upon. Um, um, safe, efficient, and broad distribution uh, of the vaccine as soon as possible. Well, on the subject of money, um, tell us about the Second CARES Act. You know, we, we've heard a lot about um, sort of the division uh, in terms of not giving the states perhaps the money that they want. What are you anticipating? Well, first, the Second CARES Act, uh, do you think that that money goes far enough? Where do you think that, you know, where can we expect that to actually show um, show results, if you will. And do you anticipate, what do you anticipate from the new administration when it comes to relief on the federal side? No, I don't think it goes far enough. Uh, I was an advocate uh, dating back to uh, last May. Uh, in March, of course, we passed uh, the, the first CARES Act, uh, uh, which was uh, $2 trillion plus of emergency assistance, which was actually ab absolutely critical to our country and to our state in getting us uh, through in some way, shape or form um, insufficiently, but nonetheless, it was the only safety net available uh, through those really uh, difficult uh, first uh, uh, months and, and uh, you know, through the summer and into the fall. Uh, and, and we did uh, relatively well in Hawaii with that. Uh, we, saw, we saw about uh, to total about $10.8 billion or so that has been received in Hawaii from that first CARES Act and still coming in. Uh, but that was not ever going to be enough, especially if one uh, anticipated that COVID wouldn't go away right away, uh, which I never anticipated was going to go away right away. Some people thought it was like a two or three months flash in, flash in the pan. There was no evidence that it was going to go away in that time frame. And so it was obvious to me that we needed more. Uh, we passed in the U.S. House uh, last May uh, that what we referred to as the HEROES Act, which was a comparable amount to the CARES Act, and that encountered uh, Tragically, I think a great resistance in the current administration, as well as uh, in in uh, in parts of, of Congress, uh, and that forced a negotiation to what I think was a was an insufficient amount. Nonetheless, a very important amount of nine hundred billion dollars in in December, of which um, um, I think that Hawaii can stand uh, if we work just as hard again to to uh, gain billions uh, in, in additional assistance to Hawaii. Uh, the buckets would be uh, you know, small business again through the payroll protection program. Um, certainly we will see additional uh, um, direct stimulus uh, checks uh, to folks that they're already receiving, uh, federal supplementation of unemployment insurance, um, help to our schools. Uh, I already spoke to healthcare. There are a number of other buckets that are critical from that $900 billion uh, perspective across the board, whether it be health, 
uh, business or the operations of government. And you're correct that one of the major omissions uh, in that bill was no further direct assistance uh, to state and local governments. I thought that was tragic, uh, but we're gonna have to come back and, and redo that. And so as the new administration comes into, into, into place, I don't think they suffer from the same um, um, you know, objections to uh, further substantial emergency assistance. Uh, we see that the Senate is also uh, changing hands in terms of the majority. And so I think there's a good shot that, um, that we will have a third uh, major emergency assistance package. And I, I think there's a very good shot that uh, Hawaii will continue uh, to benefit from them. You know, as we see sort of this change in power in the Senate and, of course, in the White House, with the Democrats controlling the executive and, and congressional branches, uh, do you anticipate more funding in the long term for Hawaii, knowing that, it, you know, the two delegates or entire congressional delegation, for that matter, is uh, all part of the majority party moving, moving forward? How do you think that will significantly impact the state in terms of resources that will be provided uh, for the state? It's going to be a huge impact, um, and and I and you know this is something that I don't think uh, um, folks have quite focused on yet because it's still a little bit undeveloped. Uh, but um, this is a very very strong congressional delegation. Uh, the addition of uh, of Congressman Kaheli has been an incredible addition to our delegation. Um, uh, he has uh, secured very very good committee assignments: uh, transportation and infrastructure, which is critical to Hawaii. Armed Services, which is critical to Hawaii. Uh, he has maybe one more committee to get on. I hope he gets onto it. Uh, I'm going to continue on appropriations, uh, which is, I, I hope people would believe, is critical uh, to Hawaii with, with, uh, with responsibility for federal funding. I, I will have a little bit more seniority. Over on the Senate side, uh, uh, Senator Hirono has critical uh, committees, and, and Senator Schatz uh, continues on Senate appropriations. And because uh, Democrats are in the majority, he stands. Uh, um, uh, to, to, to move up substantially in, in, in the ranks in terms of appropriations. And, and so uh, this is a delegation that I think if we all work together, and I fully, under, uh, I fully um, um, believe that we will continue to work together in that way, if we pool our resources, I think we can, I think we can make a real difference uh, uh, to, to Hawaii in a tremendously difficult time. And of course, uh, we also have um, a, a, a Biden administration. Uh, uh, Joe Biden is, you know, no secret to to Hawaii, and and I think he understands our our position um, in the in the Indo Pacific, the broader Indo Pacific, and and I think we're going to be able to work very well with his administration. So, you know, um, we've talked about a, a fair number of negative uh, things on 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 the uh, on your show this morning, uh, which again I regret, uh, but if there's if there's one positive that I'm seeing, uh, I'm excited to be working with uh, with my colleagues in the delegation and, and with the president on 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 not only not only addressing uh, critical challenges for our country, but um, uh, to 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 utilize our collective uh, uh, positions, responsibilities, and resources for the benefit of of, of folks uh, throughout Hawaii. I know our time is winding down, but I was curious to know if you personally have received the vaccine. One of the um, potential issues here in the islands and across the country is vaccine buy-in. People who perhaps are nervous about how quickly this came to market and um, might not feel comfortable getting it. What would you say to those folks? Because obviously we need the vast majority of people to get the shot for it to work for all of us. So have you gotten the shot? And, and what do you say to people who might have some reservations? I have. I have gotten uh, my first vaccine shot. Um, I got it here in the U U.S. Capitol. Every member of Congress is strongly, strongly 
um, urged uh, to to uh, become vaccinated, and that's a matter of continuity of government. Uh, uh, the basic thought being that uh, we still have to run this country, and we can't afford for our our our, our you know our our presidential, vice presidential leadership, or Congress uh, to be to be fundamentally taken out uh, in 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 the time of a pandemic. And so I went ahead with uh, with with my shot. I still have to get my second shot. Um, you know, of course I had those uh, concerns. Of course I thought to myself, okay, uh, this happened pretty fast. Um, um, can I can I um, can I rely on the on the safety of the vaccine? Uh, you know, for myself uh, and for others, uh, because of course I'm sitting here saying to people, take take the shot, uh, and I, I don't think it does very well for me to say that without doing it myself. And so I actually did go and uh, carefully watch and and study uh, the proceedings of the, the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, to, to ask myself the hard question: uh, Did I did I believe that this was being rushed? Did I believe that this uh, was a was in any way, shape, or form a politicized uh, decision where we would look at it later on and say to ourselves, uh, "Well, you were just trying to get a vaccine out there, you know, before the presidential election, and so you cut corners." That was my concern, and I I just didn't find any of that. I I, I and and the other ingredient here that I think is important is is that um, many of the states um, who were concerned for their own uh, citizens and who may have been concerned at the federal government's uh, um, um, you know, responsibilities or discharge of its responsibilities, set up their own independent panels. So states like California, for example, which has, of course, the resources being one of the largest countries in the world, the state of California, does have the resources uh, to, to basically do a mini uh, FDA full-on scientific review. And all of those states on an independent review uh, came back and, and recommended uh, uh, the vaccine. So I, I felt uh, I felt uh, that it was uh, you know safe for me, and I think it's uh, safe for for others. And I think it's absolutely necessary. Again, uh, we are not going to solve uh, COVID nineteen uh, until um, uh, un uh, the public health side of COVID nineteen. Uh, certainly not the economic side for Hawaii of COVID nineteen, and certainly. Uh, you know, not the social uh, consequence side of COVID-19 until until basically we have we have licked the disease itself, uh, which which takes the vaccine. You know, our time here has come to an end. But before we let you go, I just wanted to provide you an opportunity to maybe just have one final statement that you would have to our viewers uh, here in Hawaii. You know, for many who are watching from Hawaii and seeing what's happening in Washington, Washington D.C., there obviously is is such a divide. Uh, of course, it, it impeachment vote that's happening right now today. We're seeing the divide that's happening with this pandemic and how we have those who believe that uh, that don't want to get vaccinated, that don't want to wear a mask. There just seems to be so much division within this country. What would your final thoughts and your final words be uh, for those with everything that you're experiencing right now in D.C. and someone that's representing the con constituency of Hawaii and, and how you think we can move forward working uh, to help, you know, basically build this uh, this country back and, and, and further this division to something that will allow for more continuity and, and, and an opportunity for people to come together? Well, I think, first of all, we always, I have to always start in my own mind by, by, by acknowledging uh, what is the reality. And so I don't try to sugarcoat uh, what our country faces today. We, we had tremendous uh, division you know, before January uh, came around, before the elections, uh, the, the elections were deeply contested. Uh, they were they were uh, angry elections. Uh, they they went to fundamental uh, differences in values uh, that Americans feel very very strongly about. Uh, and of course, uh, then we went straight from that into 
into you know January, uh, where Congress was was inaugurated, a brand new Congress was sworn in, and and there was an attack on the Capitol. We're impeaching the president today, and we're having a new president uh, in 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 just a few days. That's a lot to absorb in a short period of time, and I think we all have to look each other in the eye and said and 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 say, look, uh, we all understand the difficulties that our country is under right now. This is not normal. This is not normal for our country. We have gotten ourselves into a very difficult and we're in a dark chapter. Um, however, um, if you look back through our history, um, we have had other dark chapters before. Uh, we have found a way out of it uh, and we have done so uh, by, by trying to stay true to, the, to our constitution, to our foundational values, uh, to, to the unity that we have. I, I look at the folks that, that rushed the Capitol on, on, on on um, uh, you know last Wednesday and and uh, my thought is um, I disagree so strongly with you uh, and if and you are committing criminal acts but I have to try to understand it because you're not a foreign terrorist you are a fellow citizen of mine you may be acting like a, a domestic terrorist uh, maybe you are but you are my citizen and I and I still live in this country with you and I think I think if we all get back to the idea of some what is what are the things that unite us let's not focus on what divides us. What are the things that unite us? We are united by being Americans. We are united by a history. We are united by, by, by the fact that the rest of the world still does respect us and meant much of the rest of the world still would like to be an American. And in Hawaii, we are, we are so proud of our Hawaii. That unites us. So let's start with, uh, let's start with the things that, 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 that are natural gels for us and start to build back on that. Let's start to listen to each other again. Let's tone down the rhetoric. If, if you disagree with me um, on, on impeachment, don't start out uh, your, your email to me by, by swearing at me. Um, now you can do it, I'm, I'm a big boy, I can take it, but I promise I won't start out my response to you by swearing at you. I'll say, thank you. Thank you for telling me what you think. Uh, and I, I'm trying to understand what you say. Uh, this is my perspective. Now, what else do you have to say? Can we, can we find a way through this? And I think if we get back to some basics that we all Try to follow in our day-to-day -day life. There's nothing. There's nothing different from from your family or your friends or your workplace uh, to ex expound out, you know, expand out from there to your state or your country. Um, it's all it's all it's all the same approach. And I and I think we just kind of got back get back to the basics as as my friend Don Young from Alaska, the the senior member of the U.S. House, said on on opening opening day. He said, "Can't we just start to listen to each other again?" So that's a pretty good start. And. And so, although um, again, it's a dark time, it's a uh, dark events. Uh, you know, impeachment is 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 uh, is is a terrible uh, remedy to have to pursue. Um, and um, again, people are dead, uh, fellow Americans, uh, because of, because of this attack. So this is real stuff. This is real world. Uh, but um, I think that we we must move forward. And I think we will move forward. So all I can do. Uh, for myself to represent my constituents is to try to find those best ways forward. Uh, and day by day, week by week, put the pieces in place uh, to try to try to you know repair and, and advance. Okay, well, Congressman Ed Case joining us live from his office in Washington. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us this morning. Thank you so much. And I would say case.house.gov for anybody that wants to uh, um, comment on anything that they heard this morning or has any questions at all. That's the way into my office. I, I, I want that conversation with you. I'm sure judging by the comments, you will have plenty, <laughs> plenty to read. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, great to hear from him and really interesting to hear his account of what it was like uh, just a week ago. Hard to believe because so much has happened uh, in the days since.
and saying that he will be voting to impeach the president probably within the next hour and that he does so with a heavy heart. Yeah, you know, you, you really got to hear his explanation into why he's uh, going forward with this vote to impeach. And he also justified uh, those arguments from those on the other side who say, why sort of go through this process when the president will be gone in a week? And he's saying that we have to take a stand and it shouldn't matter at what point in the presidency that uh, there is some sort of decision made for the actions that were taken. And so he uh, recognizes that there is obviously opposition to his vote and what will happen and the constituency here in Hawaii that are against that. But he will be moving forward with that vote, which could happen at any moment uh, here today. That's right. And in just a week, of course, we have the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. Uh, he says he will be attending that event in person um, and that basically he is entrusting his safety to the officials that are there. You, you know, you see the images already. National Guard troops sleeping on the floor of the halls of Congress right now to protect the members um, and saying that, you know, just to take a stand and to show that things can continue despite the violence of last week. And so he says it's an important symbol to continue with the traditions that have held our country for so long. Yeah, and on a local level, he uh, spoke about some frustrations that he had with the vaccine rollout, uh, saying that the federal government has now provided uh, adequate and sufficient amount of vaccine for the state level, but there is sort of a lag there. And, and also noting that Hawaii is uh, at the bottom of the list there when in terms of the amount of vaccine rolled out to the general population. And so he expresses disappointment there. We do know that there will be a press conference that will be happening later today where uh, Speaker Scott Psyche, as well as other members of the House leadership and uh, Mayor Blangiardi and uh, officials from the Department of Health will be speaking this afternoon to discuss those uh, mass vaccination centers that the lieutenant governor actually spoke about on this show on Monday. Yeah, no doubt the uh, paper will be taking that live. So stay with the Honolulu Star Advertiser for any alerts on that. Sign up for news alerts if you don't have them already because you get those and then you can click right through to the Facebook page and watch press conferences like that live. I know I'll be watching because so many of us are so interested to know when we can receive the vaccine. Um, he also talked about the CARES Act funding, uh, what, what is coming down the pike now, and also what could be coming um, in the days ahead with a new administration. I know a lot of you are frustrated. I saw some questions about unemployment, and on Friday, uh, we have our recurring guest, Ryan. That's right. We're going to be speaking with the Director of Labor, Labor and Industrial Relations and uh, Perari Sakwil, who will be joining us to take on your questions regarding unemployment. We know that there is much questions about this second wave of CARES Act funding, how that will impact those who continue to receive funding and, and uh, benefits from the unemployment, as well as those pool questions that are out there. So we hope to tackle as many of those questions that you may have uh, with the director. Again, that will be on Friday right here at 1030. Yeah, we appreciate all the comments. We know that some of you are having conversations back and forth. We encourage you, just in the spirit of what the congressman was saying, to keep it civil, you know, recognizing that there are divisions in our community as well. So we welcome all the conversations that are ongoing, and we thank you so much for watching this morning and for being a part of Spotlight Hawaii. We'll see you back here on Friday at 1030. Aloha.